On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. Uh, obviously, all freedom starts with receiving Jesus, and so I'm, I'm making the assumption that, that everybody here uh, knows Jesus. If you haven't, we've got a prayer here for you to pray because all freedom, true freedom, begins with um, knowing Jesus. It all starts there. Now, really to receive freedom, make, we're gonna make a couple of points here. The goal is not freedom. Our goal is Christ-likeness. God wants us to be conformed to his image. He's not inter- he wants us free, but it's not, it's not like, I'm free, I'm free, I can do whatever I want to do. No, you're, you're free to look like Jesus. That's what he's doing. He wants us to grow up. He's got a good plan for us, and he wants us to grow up and look like him. So it's a process. It is a journey. It's not usually an event. There are events along the way, but truthfully, it is usually a process that God works out. And I'll, I'll say this a number of times here. The reason he does that is because if you could take a pill, I remember in playing football, the coach would say, you know, if I could give you a pill to take and you could, we could, wouldn't have to run wind sprints to get in shape, I'd do it. But there isn't such a thing, so line up and I'm going to run you till you die. Oh, thank you. The point is, is that I wish there was some magic wand that we could just be, poof, we could be, ever, all problems are gone, everything's just fixed, perfect. But it's not. And what God does, even he takes all of our brokenness, and we sing that song, he, he heals all our brokenness, but he uses our brokenness too. Because his design is, is that we get to be used to help others. And if I've, something's happened in me that I don't know exactly what happened, it's just like, well, I don't know, I just, whatever, uh, I'm going to have a hard time helping somebody else. But if I've struggled and walked through something, then I'm going to be able to take that and help somebody else. Because I've walked through something that I can help you walk through. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to heal us, but at the same time, He wants us to know what He did so that we can then help others. Because the whole process is, is a journey. So true, true freedom begins. The foundation, obviously, is Jesus. There is no, it says in 1 Corinthians, there is no other foundation other than Jesus. But foundation we're talking about in this is really receiving the complete acceptance and the love of the Father, understanding our identity that's in Christ. Once we understand His love and who we are in Him and who He is in us, that's the foundation that cannot be shaken. The power of freedom is really the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, don't leave here until you're endued with power from upon high, and we'll talk about it a number of times, but it's the Spirit that empowers us. He, he is with us. He's living in us, and He wants to help us to overcome and to live victoriously. The keys to freedom are really not only giving your whole heart to, to the Lord, but seeking Him and taking responsibility for our lives. Uh, we'll talk about that more tomorrow, but real understanding is, is walking in that taking responsibility. Nobody's to blame. I'm responsible for my life. The doors to freedom, we're going to talk about the various things that basically it's not so much what was done to us, but it's what we've, we've responded to different things. And so we're going to look at past and present. We'll pull down strongholds. We'll talk about how to do that. We're going to look at the um, issues of, of trauma and inner healing 
and, uh, and really deliverance. And we'll talk about all that tomorrow. Uh, top of the next page there, the purpose of freedom is to help others. That's the whole point. God sets us free to, to free others. Now, here's a statement that I'm going to make a number of times. You cannot give away what you don't have. Okay, now that should make common sense. You don't have something you can't give it away. If you want it, if, you know, if, if you want a million dollars from me, I don't have it. I couldn't give it to you. Um, the, I can't give what I don't have. And a lot of times we're wanting people to give us stuff that they didn't have. And people are wanting things from us that we don't have. And so what another statement we'll make a number of times is that hurting people will hurt people. And free people, free people. And so we want to just keep that in mind that, you know, a lot of times what has happened to us in our lives are because of people that are hurt. And I shared this story, about, I don't know if I'll share it again tomorrow or not, but when I was a kid, I had this dog and we lived on, we lived on the farm and, and this, I, they would, people would bring dogs out and drop them off out in the country. So I ended up collecting dogs. I had this one dog and it was a, I could just do anything to it. It was, it was just, it loved me. I mean, take food out of its mouth, a beat on it, whatever. I mean, it just followed me everywhere. But we lived on a on a dirt road, and basically, people had dogs that would ride in the back of their truck, and and this particular one person would drive by, and their dog would bark, and ran over my dog when I was there on the, on the road one day, and of course, it rolled it underneath, and it was in the ditch, just running, rolling around, screaming, and I was crying. So I run over to pick up my dog. Well, he bites me. Well, now I'm really crying. And we're all crying. And then this is in the in the summer in the country, and very few people had air conditioning. So my aunt and uncle lived over there. My grandmother and father lived over here in my home there. They all got their windows up because they thought I got run over. And uh, But the reality was, God showed me years later, that dog would never have bitten me except it was hurt. And in its hurt state, it bit me. And I'm going to tell you what, that's what happens in a lot of our lives. We've been around people who have hurt us because they're, they were hurting. And a lot of times it blocks us from really getting free because, you know, why didn't somebody do this or why did somebody do this? And a lot of times, you know, we're, we're going to look at that, but a lot of times we're, we're, we're dealing with hurt people. And, um, and hurt people will hurt people. Number six, there's death to your flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. That's the one, you, you know, the Bible says to cast out the demons and crucify the flesh. Well, I've tried to do the other. That didn't work. Cast out the flesh and crucify the demons. <laughs> that doesn't work at all. Uh, so the point is, you've got to take responsibility to do that. The prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, I love this prayer. And I'm just going to read it. So instead of praying, let's read it. Says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So the prayer is that we would have revelation, and what we really are praying for, we want to we want to see Him. We've seen enough of other stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've seen enough of church. We've seen enough of religion. We've seen we need to see Him. That's for it. We want to, and that's what it says: the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So the prayer is that. Father, turn the lights on. Holy Spirit, release me to be able to see you, to know you. Not just know about you, but to really know you, that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened. 
turn the lights on. They might know the hope of your calling, that God has called us for a time such as this. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? That's amazing prayer. I mean, basically he's saying, look, we're, we're praying out, Lord, turn the lights on so I can see you. Help me to understand who you are and help me to understand who you called me to be. And help me understand this inheritance that I have received because Jesus died at the cross. And there's this exceeding great power that's toward me if I'll believe it. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit. That's amazing prayer. Now, God put that prayer in the Bible because he knows we need that prayer answered. And he put it in there because he wants to answer that prayer. So I want to pray for us, but I just want to, I want you to pray too. And just present yourself to the Lord and just say, Lord, do whatever you want to in me. I want to be more like you. Amen. Father, we love you and bless you. We, we just ask you to help us to hear truth, to respond to truth, Lord, we want to be like you. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and to guide us, direct us, and lead us, speak to us. Ask him just to say, speak to me. Show me, teach me, lead me, guide me, heal me. Help me to understand that you've called me for such a time as this. Help me to, to walk in the fullness of the inheritance of which you've paid for with your life, dying my death. Help me to understand that exceeding great power that's in me same power that raised you from the dead to you, Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I thank you for the privilege, again, of sharing truth. I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you, Lord, to, to just your presence, and I thank you for your truth that makes us free. We love you, and we bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's continue on to chapter 1. And um, love, identity, and purpose. I, I think all of us struggle with the issue, am I loved, who am I, and why do I exist? Ultimately, deep down, psychologists will say that nearly everybody deals with those issues, that we may not wake up in the morning consciously saying, am I loved today, you know, uh, who am I, and why do I exist? But, but those are the deep questions that we're always we're looking for. And how are those answered? Well, the answer to that, to me, you've always got to go back to he who created us, and that one is God. So look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I believe this is God's original intent for man. I don't think he's changed his mind. I think he still believes that he created us to represent him. He created us to have relationship with him. In love, he created us to look, act like him, though we're not God, but we're created like God. 
and he created us to join him in extending his rule and reign on earth. That was his original intent. I don't think he changed his mind. Uh, and that's, that's what he's called us to do, is to represent him. Unfortunately, we know Genesis chapter 3, and we call it the fall in the garden, where the serpent, you know, uh, questioned Eve and they to eat of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat from. Genesis 3, 7 through 12. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, Well, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Love that. I mean, he's blaming everybody. <laughs> blaming God, blaming the woman. But but I call this fear, shame, and blame. And what the point is, is that what the result, they were created in love. They were created with an identity that they were basically like God. They weren't God, but they were like God. And they were created to be in relationship with him, to join him. And what happened was through the fall, fear came in. Obviously, that speaks of the lost love. Uh, they knew they were naked, which talks about shame. All of a sudden, they're self-aware of themselves, and then they wanted to blame others. They wouldn't take responsibility for their own life. Now, the bottom line is, is what happened through sin entering the world, it caused all of us to be infected with that same stuff, fear, shame, and blame. So that's why we got to be born again. We were born in this world, no matter how cute you might have been as a little baby. The fact is, is that we are still infected with that disease of fear, shame, and blame. What that basically is, is that we feel separated, which means we actually feel like an orphan. And what basically, what the, you can sum all this up in, we're self-absorbed, life's all about me. And the truth is, is that it's not about me, it's about him. But until God changes my life, and even after he changes my life, still a lot of the characteristics in me are still, it's all about me. You know, what I fear, how I feel about myself, my focus, everything's about focused on me. Think about how much time you spend thinking about yourself. You know, and you realize that, wait a minute, they were not even aware they were naked. They were so captivated by the presence of God, they were unaware of themselves. The moment that sin entered in, they became all about them. And so that's our problem today, and it's always going to be our problem because we're, it's all about me. It's all about my problems, all about my issues, all about my things. And what the enemy loves to do is to keep you in that world of hurt and pain and disappointment. He's just trying to keep you self-absorbed completely on, onto yourself. Now, that, that's really the root cause of really everything. Turn the page, if you will. And what he's trying to do, the enemy wants to do, is to keep us in that condition where all we basically do is we just, uh, you know, what my need is and what, what hasn't been met and why were people treating me the way they treat me and all those kinds of things because it's all about me. Now, the good news is, and that's why it's called the gospel, the good news is that Jesus came to restore us 
to a relationship with Father. Now, you can write this down. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing their sin to them. So, literally, God moved on our behalf, and through Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross, he forgave us, and he paid the redemption price for our lives, and he reconciled us to himself, making peace through the blood of the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. So it's not written in there. Sorry, thank you for saying that. <clears throat> so anyway, the point is, is that we've, we've been reconciled. Jesus paid for us, um, and we're not just restored to have a ticket to heaven. We've been restored to relationship with Father that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. I mean, this is mind-blowing. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. It's time now to start living in that relationship now. Jesus paid for it with his life. Now, I do have this later on, but I don't have it written down here. Romans 8. And if you have a Bible or your electronic device, if you'll just look that up, <clears throat> this is a key verse, Romans 8. Beginning in verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now that speaks of love, identity, and purpose. We've been given the spirit of adoption which speaks of love. We've been called children, which speaks of identity. We're sons and daughters of God. And we're heirs, joint heirs with Christ, which means we've been brought into the family business. So it gives us our purpose, representing him on earth, just like he, he showed us what that looks like. So even though Adam and Eve, our father and mother in the garden, sinned, and it's infected and affected all of us, the reality is that Jesus has come and he has paid the price so that we can be restored to Father, restored to his original intent for us so that we can know his love and we can know love. We can know our true identity as children of God and we can also know our purpose joining him in what he's called us to do, representing him on earth. Isn't that amazing? Now, the reality is there's sometimes a long gap between that what he's paid for and what we actually walk out. So now what I want to do, I want us to talk about, take these separately. I want to talk and spend a little time talking about the love of the Father. The love of the Father to me is one of the most profound and most important things that, that we could really grasp. I'm not sure that it's apprehensible. Let me say it that way. I mean, we're going to continually we're just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. I think the picture we see in Revelation is that they get a glimpse of God, a glimpse of the, the Lamb on the throne, and they see another aspect of his amazing who he is, and they're down on their faces saying, holy, holy, holy. I, I, I think that we're, from our understanding, trying to figure out God, and I think that, you know, I don't know we'll ever do that. So I think the love of the Father is an ongoing revelation that God wants to take us deeper and deeper and deeper in. But it is, to me, 
profound. And I'm not talking about having information about it. I'm talking about experiencing his love that, that's deep inside of us that changes our life. It, Romans 8, we just got through reading. He said he gave to us a spirit of adoption so that that spirit comes in and it's not just here in my head that I know God loves me because the Bible tells me so that I learned in a Bible story. No, it's because the spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. It's like, wow. That's what God wants. He wants us to, to get that. We're not an orphan. We're no longer strangers. We're, we're sons and daughters. He loves us. And, and he wants us to know that. So to me, the, the love of the Father is huge. It's uh, the love of the Father brings us into complete acceptance and forgiveness of sin. Uh, we get to enter into his presence knowing that he loves us. First um, John 4, 8, I don't have it in there, but it basically says that God is love. So his very nature is love. Turn the page, if you will, the next page. These are some scripture references to the love of the Father. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. I mean, we should all know that verse, but it's, it's profound. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't that amazing? That he loved us so much that he would give us the greatest treasure he had. He gave us himself. And we're not, and it goes on to the Romans 5, 8 verse says, God demonstrates his love toward us that in, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, another profound verse. Think about that. While we were still sinners, he went to the cross and, and died our death. He took our punishment. What was due us, he took on the cross. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. <coughs> Excuse me. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Love that verse. He was, he's rich in mercy and his great love with which he loved us. Let me just tell you, I'd be willing to wager a bet that just his plain love would be a lot for us. But great love? Great love? I mean, wow. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that particular word we don't typically use, but that word propitiation means it's in a means of appeasing God's wrath against sin. So sin has consequences. And what sin does, it's because of sin, there's wrath against that sin. God took that out on Jesus on the cross, our sin. So God is not angry with us. You know, people say, I'm messed up. You know, I know God <clears throat> upset with me. No, he's not upset with you. He dispensed his wrath on Jesus at the cross. I can tell that deep, profound. Now, this is huge. God is not angry with you. You may say, well, you don't know what I did today. Uh, no, he does know what you did today. and He's still not angry. He is a good father. And we, as if we've re believed and received him, we're his sons and daughters. Uh, he loves each and every one of us. Amazing love. And it's not because of what we did. It's not because of what we might do. 
It's not because of what we didn't do. It's because of him. It's him. He, his love comes from him because he is love. He doesn't have to do something or you have to do something to get love. He is love. And he has chosen to love us. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.